What is the true purpose of a resume? How can you position your career change in your cover letter? What are the best ways to connect with new people on LinkedIn without being creepy? In this episode, I absolutely pepper Steph Gillis with the most burning questions that I, and I know you, have on resumes, cover letters, and LinkedIn strategy. This is definitely for those of you who are looking for a new job, want to make a career change, or just want to keep your professional options open, which I highly recommend everybody does. Steph's career story is super interesting. She held 32 jobs in 10 years. She has a bachelor's degree in social work, which she then utilized to work in the nonprofit world. And fast forward to today, Steph holds a certified resume strategist and certified interview strategist designation through the Career Professionals of Canada. And she has a thriving resume writing business. Fun fact, she is a secret weapon in my business as she does the resume and cover letter rewrites for my clients who are actively looking for new jobs. And I have to tell you, I've seen some pretty wicked success stories with the resumes that she's rewritten for my clients and that have really gotten them in the door in situations where they might have been overlooked. You're going to want to take a look at my show notes today because I recap the convo there. There's just way too much in this episode to take notes on. And I'm guessing you're probably driving, walking, making the bed, etc. And those of you actively searching, I suggest that maybe you listen to this episode twice. Enjoy. You're listening to the All Figured Out Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Barr. As a career coach for parents, a mom, an entrepreneur, and someone who spent 10 plus years in the corporate world, I still don't have it all figured out. And maybe you don't either. In this podcast, I'll share tools and strategies that I use with my clients. And in the many areas where I don't have things figured out, I'll be bringing you some amazing guest experts to help us fill in the gaps. So tune in each week as we explore how to make career and life decisions that truly work for you, your family, and your big goals. Let's make moves. Welcome, Steph Gillis, to the All Figured Out podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I'm so excited to chat with you. I know I was telling you before, I think this is going to be a highly downloaded episode because so many of us feel very confused, even you know, 10, 20 years into our careers about resumes, career changing, LinkedIn, strategy, like all that stuff is, uh, it's complicated and it feels like we're just constantly going to Google. So, so pumped to have an expert on to, uh, to help us through that. But before we start, I always love just asking to hear about people's career stories. So tell me, how is it that you got into becoming a resume cover letter expert? What is your career story? How did you get there? For sure. So when I was between the ages of like 18 and about 25, I had 32 jobs. And so I got really good at applying for jobs. I was like, I could, you know, get a job at the drop of a hat. So it was pretty easy for me. And so I started helping my friends and family with their resumes and just helping them get jobs and improve their ability to um, get a job quickly. And I was wondering if that could be a job. And so I started looking into it and I got certified as a resume writer about eight years ago now. And uh, the rest is history. And now I've been in business now for about eight years. So Oh my goodness. Good for you. Congratulations. And I know you have a very successful business. I personally use your services. You are my secret weapon behind uh, Andrea Bar Coaching. I don't even try to touch the whole resume side of things. It's not my expertise. I like to review them, but that's about it. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for all the support and success that you've had uh, found for my clients. Um, tell me, 
What was that process? Like, I know you're a mom now and before becoming a mom, you had all these different jobs. Like why, why 32 jobs? Um, I think the biggest thing for me was, you know, in high school, there was like that big message of you have to figure out what you want to do. You know, like it was that big pressure of like, what do you want to do after you graduate? And it needs to be this one thing that you're going to stick with forever. And um, I just didn't, I didn't know what that was. And so I kept trying different things and I found that I would get bored really quickly. So I would learn everything and then I would get bored and want to learn something new. And so um, being in business has really changed that because I feel like in business, you're always learning something new every day, whether you're marketing or launching a new product or working with new clients and it feels different all the time. And so I think that's why I've ended up here. But yeah, I just basically wanted to try everything. Sometimes I had four jobs at one time. I would go to university and then I quit and then I would go back to university. So like, you know, it was just, yeah, it was a season. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. I mean, that's really cool though that then you took from that, you took so much from that in that you're like, oh, okay, first of all, maybe entrepreneurship is for me because mm-hmm. I really like kind of doing different things and, and having different like creative pursuits. And, and you're so good at being an entrepreneur and working for yourself and you have so much discipline. Um, and then in that, you just happen to figure out that, oh, wow, I really like doing this for other people. Yeah. Yeah. It was That's super so cool. interesting. And then what, uh, before we like keep going and we get into the meat of this and you give us all your wisdom that we all need for job searching, what was the transition like in becoming a parent after kind of this the season or this phase or or when did that happen within this season of life? Yeah, I was I was part time in my business for a lot of years. Um, I was still I have a social work degree, so I was working in the nonprofit industry. When I had my child, I went on maternity leave and then I came, went back to my job. And then once the pandemic started, I was laid off just because they didn't have enough work. And so that was when I kind of thought, you know, I've always wanted to work from home. I'm an introvert, so I love to work from home. Don't need any coworkers, thanks. And and so I decided to just try it. I was like, you know, I have time with, um, you know, the government benefits. So I was like, why don't I just try going full time and building my business? Well, I can. And so I, I decided to do that. And it ended up going really well. I replaced my income within like a few months and um, and then the rest is history. So, oh my gosh! And then everyone was looking for jobs, and the it's exploded for you. I have, mm-hmm. I have no doubt. Wow. Yes, How old is your sure. son now? Um, he turns seven in two weeks. Oh my goodness! What's that age like? It's so good. It's the best age. Yeah, they Ooh. can sleep and they can talk and they're <laughs> respectful and they want to do things with you. Yeah, it's really fun. <laughs> oh, so good. Okay. Okay, let's get into it. I have, I was laughing with you before. I have so many questions. This could be three hours, but I'm going to try to rein myself in. So first of all, Steph, why do we still have resumes? <laughs> in your professional opinion, there's LinkedIn, there's conversations. Like, why do we still have resumes and cover letters? Like to whom it may concern all this stuff. Can you tell us a bit about like the history of them or the purpose and the why behind it? Yeah. I mean, I'm the original resume traces back to 1482. Leonardo da Vinci sent a letter to the Duke of Milan seeking employment. So it's been around. So you can blame him if you are not happy about resumes. <laughs> Whoa. 
he's the person who caused it. So um, yeah, and then it kind of just stuck around. It's like one of those things that people never stop doing. And I mean, it's a good way in terms of, I mean, people have talked about video resumes and doing different things like that, but there can be a lot a lot more discrimination in, when you use video resumes because you're actually looking at a person's face and people will have automatic biases. And um, it, it is discriminatory towards, you know, people who are in, the, in more poverty and can't access video um, to be able to create them. And so the resume is a good way to to eliminate those biases and be able to present yourself in a way where someone can't um, make immediate assumptions. Oh my goodness. I never thought about that. And okay, so I know we've all read articles or we've learned in school that like somebody will look at your resume for five seconds. Is that true? Or like what are the mechanics behind that? Um, typically, yeah, it's six seconds. Yeah. And um, no. it will be... <laughs> It's usually the very, so, so typically like in a, in a larger industry, um, the, the recruiting manager will get the resumes and they'll look at them briefly to decide who's going to stay and who's going to go. And so it's that first look that's kind of the quick six second look. But after that, if they decide to keep you and look further into it, then they're really going to do a deep dive into your resume. So it's really making sure that that first look into your resume, the top section of your resume reads really well so they can see quickly what you're about and um, kind of what your goals are. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. You know what this is making me think about? I don't really understand the resume application machines. Do you want to walk us through that? Like, so I create a resume and a cover letter for a job that I want to apply for, let's say at Google, big company we all know. And I submit it into this abyss. It's a lot of what my, what my clients say. They're like, I've sent all these resumes off into the abyss. Like, I don't know what happens now. How much do you know about kind of where it goes from there and like what the typical process would be, say for like a medium or larger company? Yeah, um, I mean, every company is different. And so it can vary definitely by company to company. But generally, um, if they're using an applicant tracking system, the resumes will go through the applicant tracking system and those ones will spit out the ones they don't like and keep the ones they do. Um, then it will go to a recruiting manager. So that's the person who's like on the HR team who is doing the recruiting. So they're not necessarily going to be your boss or your supervisor, but they're the ones looking after the recruiting of the for the position. And then once the recruiting manager decides who to keep, then it will go to, to the person who's going to do the interview, which is usually the person who's going to supervise you. The recruiting manager might be there as well, could be an HR manager, um, depending on who they decide to have in the interview. And they'll review it in more detail so that they can come up with questions they want to ask for the interview. And then, um, and then you'll have your interview. So Jen, I mean, that's kind of a loose process. I mean, every company's different, but. Yeah. Okay. So it goes into the abyss. It's first read by a machine. It can be. Yeah. Potentially. Okay. Potentially, and yeah. so what are some red flags, first of all, for the machine? Like how does the machine read the resumes or anything that we should know about that process? Like that's kind of scary. For sure. I mean, it doesn't have to be, I mean, machines are pretty smart. I mean, if anyone, has, <laughs> if anyone has a Google or an Alexa in their house, they know they're pretty smart nowadays. So um, I wouldn't worry too, too much about the machine. But what I would, um, the biggest recommendation is just to make sure that your document is um, simplified in a simple format. A lot of people like to use something like Canva, or um, they might buy, buy a template on Etsy that can be used, like use Photoshop and stuff like that. Those can really complicate things where the machine can't always read it. So it's really recommended to use Microsoft Word. And then in Microsoft Word, you don't want to use tables or text boxes. 
because those can remove, potentially remove the applicant tracking system, wouldn't be able to see anything in the tables or text boxes. So you want to make sure that everything is on the page. There's a lot of formatting that you can do within Microsoft Word and Google Docs that can make it still look really nice, even though um, you're not using those special features. Um, and so that is a way to add some, some design content to your resume as well. Whoa. Okay, that's mind-blowing. So you could put all of your best experience, you could put your beautiful headlines and everything, even your name. I know we're like speaking really black and white here, but like the machine just might not be able to read it and ergo just spit you out and say, nope, next. Right. Yeah, it's possible. I've had, I've worked with a lot of clients who've used um, the template that Microsoft Word provides, which is based Mm -hmm. on tables. And they're like, you know, I haven't gotten any responses from any of my applications. I don't know what's going on. And then I created them a new resume in like, you know, a nicer, more resume format and they got responses right away. So it can be the difference. So yes, it can be the difference. So that's the process. That is super, super helpful. This is airing in the new year. So this might be like new year, new job. There could be some New Year's resolutions happening with people wanting to find new jobs. Before somebody even embarks on that journey of applying for the job and spending all that time and everything, what's something that just everybody can do to update their resume, their LinkedIn? Like, What, are, what should we all be doing just to keep things up to date? Yeah. I mean, the best first step, honestly, is making sure that you know your worth. So get to know what your uniqueness is. What do you offer to a company that's different than what other people offer? Because what everyone does with their resume is they just list their job description. You know, they like just list what they did. They list who they did it for. They list that they attended meetings. And that's not really the things that hiring managers are looking for. They don't really care if you went to a meeting, honestly. They, I mean, everyone goes to a meeting. So. <laughs> You know, so yeah, good. I see that a lot in resumes, attended meetings. It's like really everyone attended meetings. Like it's not something to brag about. So <laughs> you want you want oh your you want your resume to be like a brag document. And sometimes, especially for women, it can be really hard to know what makes us unique and why we're special. And so really digging into what that is and knowing, you know, your worth is the most important part of your resume so that you can put that down on paper and, and brag about yourself. Oh my goodness. Okay. What does that look like? What does that look like in a bullet point on a resume? Like, what are some things that you think, I don't know, I'm putting you on the spot, but like, what does that look like on paper? What are some of these attributes you can try to get through on your resume? I think the best way is just to use um, numbers as much as possible, especially for people like it's easy examples for people who are in sales. A lot of the time they will, you know, just put like, were uh, reached out to customers and increased sales. It's like, okay, that's fine. But that's not yeah, it's a really big missed opportunity. Like how much did you increase sales by? Like I talked to one client who said just had increased sales on his resume. And when I asked him, he had increased sales by like $3 million. Like that's huge. Like you need to brag about that, right? Like you need to put in there that you increase sales by that much because that's way bigger than someone who someone else who maybe increased sales by only $50,000, right? So just like those numbers, if you improved customer satisfaction scores, you can include those. Um, if you, you know, any anything like that. And some some jobs don't have numerical value and that's okay too, but it's based on what industry you're in. So when you read the job description that you're looking to apply for, What kinds of things are those people looking for that you can put in your resume? So, I mean, if they're looking for, you know, like for teachers, they're looking for someone who can really engage a classroom. I mean, that's not something that you can have a numerical value around. But if you're a previous 
have previous teaching experience, then you can absolutely talk about how you can engage a classroom of young kids and be able to teach them for, for a whole day. Yeah. And you touched on a good point there where it, it can be hard. Like I used to work in an HR capacity in learning and development. And it was a very, very hard when I was leaving my job and I didn't know if I wanted to go into entrepreneurship or if I wanted to find a job, you did my resume and it is so badass looking. And it actually got me through to online portals. I would just say that to brag on your behalf. Anyways, it was, yeah, it's kind of tricky, but I remember you saying like, no, just, just put in like, what are the accomplish- accomplishments? What do you did that are also unique to the job? I remember you saying like, mm-hmm. not just like, yeah. yeah, duh, you created courses. That's yeah. pretty self-explanatory and anybody in that job has done that. But like, what did you do for that apart from mm-hmm. attending meetings? And that's <laughs> that's really helpful. And okay, what about a career break? So you're writing your resume and you've taken five years off because you wanted to raise your kids and you're proud of that. And that's just a fact. Like, what do you write or what do you put on your resume or do you have to put anything? Like, how does that look on a resume, on a cover letter, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, there's two ways to go about it. One is you can just leave it off and have a career gap and address it in the cover letter. Um, I always recommend that people address red flags in the cover letter because um, if, you know, if you took a couple years off, you got laid off or you, you're switching industries, the cover letter is a great spot to just address that straight up. Because then if a hiring manager is looking at your resume and they're like, hmm, you know, like this looks interesting, but I'm just not sure about this one thing. They can go to your cover letter and they can be like, oh, they addressed it right there. And then they'll be more apt to invite you for an interview rather than exclude you from the process. So the first option is to just not put it in your resume and put it more in your cover letter. Um, The other option is I have some clients who have, you know, taken a decade off to raise their kids and they use that as work experience. I mean, how many working from home moms are working way harder than the rest of us? Right. Like I can say that for sure, especially if you have, you know, three, four kids managing all those schedules, keeping the house clean. I mean, there's tons of things to do. So there's definitely a way to create a really cool resume around those types of skills. Oh, I I find that so empowering. I think that's really cool and empowering for people who maybe are in the early days of parenting and they're making career decisions. Do I want to take a break or do I want to go back to work? Just having, being armed with information like that to say, no, you can, you can go back into the workforce and it's, and you can address that head on and it can actually Mm -hmm. be amazing work. It is amazing work experience. It's project management every day. It's like risk management. (laughs) 24 seven, (laughs) 24 seven. When it comes to, so the person is now, if we go like in a linear fashion, so they've kind of like just updated in a general sense, their resume, they understand their worth. I love that. They've kind of addressed, they've like wrapped their head around things, maybe like career breaks, et cetera. Um, and you're starting to like, you're wanting to like start to maybe project manage your own application process. And you're thinking about, okay, how do I take this resume and tailor it to these 10 different companies that I'm really interested in? Like, how can you do that in a way that manages your energy? So you're not spending 24 hours on every single application. It's a lot of work. Yeah, for sure. I think, I, I think tailoring your resume has gotten like a really big front seat. And I don't think it really needs to necessarily. When I was applying for jobs, I never tailored my resume ever. And I never really had a problem. But it is like, so when you're looking at a specific industry, so let's go with project management. If you're looking for a project management resume, most of the most of the job descriptions are very similar. You know, they might change a few words here and there. But most of the time, they're very, very similar. And so your resume should hit on all those job descriptions with no problem at all. And so like if you're going to, you know, add those key skills in, 
add it into the master copy and then just keep that copy and change it very, very small amount. So when I update um, resumes and cover letters for people, it usually takes me maybe 10 minutes because when you really look at a job description, you can see that most of the skills are already listed. And so it's just like maybe one or two that are missing, or maybe they used customer experience instead of customer service. So you change one word to make it a little bit different. The only thing that when they really have to tailor your resume is when you're applying for lots of different things. So like, let's say you're applying for project management and maybe as a general manager. I mean, those are two that can be very different. And so making sure that you know, your resume speaks to each of those. But in that case, I would do the same thing. I would have a project management resume and an operations resume. And then you just do tiny tweaks every time that you apply for a job. So that would be my recommendation. And I want, you know, what's bringing to mind is just getting a bit more clarity. Like what's the benefit of getting clarity on what you want to do next? Well, it's, it's protecting your time because if you're like, okay, I don't really know what I want to do. I'm not going to spend the time figuring it out. You know, just apply for all these different jobs that's a lot of different work. So if you, I guess if you spend the time up front and you just get a little bit more clear, okay, I think it's somewhere around operations, somewhere around project management, then you can maybe manage your energy better yeah, moving forward yeah, in that way. Absolutely. But I mean, when you're applying for like a bunch of different jobs, you're still hitting on some key skills. You know, like if let's say, you know, your background is customer service and sales, you know, and you're looking at a bunch of different jobs, you can still focus on those key skills that you have to apply for those different positions just so that you don't have to spend hours tailoring your resume. Okay, that's a good point. Like you have to also consider what you are, what you're bringing to the table, mm-hmm. which is what makes your resume unique. You're not just regurgitating the job description. Yeah, Cause exactly. Because you want to talk about yourself. That's the whole point of the document, right? Mm, right. Oh my gosh. I remember when we were working together on my resume, you said what you did at the job is what you did at the job. Like that doesn't change. It's a fact. So just, yeah, yeah, maybe update the words so that they're more in line with the words that the company uses. Like you said, customer experience versus service. Mm -hmm. Um, That's, yeah, that's super helpful. Oh, okay. I love that. When you're sending in um, the resume and the cover letter via email, they're like, email your cover letter and resume to X, Y, and Z. I always have gotten tripped up on the like, now what do I put in the email? I've written you a resume. I've written you a cover letter, which is basically the email do you just keep it short and sweet? Like, what's your opinion on that? There are two options where you just keep it short and sweet, where you say, please see attached for my application for this position, or just copy and paste your cover letter into the email. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those are those are two options that you could use. Either one is fine. Um, if you, I would still attach the cover letter though, because if they're going to like copy and print it, then you want to make sure that they have access to it. But then if you, if you put, the, I mean, you already wrote the cover letter, so you might as well put it in the email. Cool. Yeah. Why not? Okay. I had a client recently. Let's do a little case study. So I had a client recently. Uh, I believe you were about to do their resume. I'm about to send it to you. Um, you're about to do a rewrite for them. And they're applying to a really, they're kind of doing a bit of a career pivot, but they have a lot of experience. So all good there. But the company itself has a really unique culture and they actually have a whole page on their website saying like, this is our application process. We're really different. They're like one of those companies. They're like, we do things differently. Like we want to get to know you. Um, The process is less about like, they don't even want resumes. They want you to just like send in an email burying your soul as to why you want the job, like that type of situation. And he's grappling with the fact that he's like, but I feel like it's really important that they actually see my list of history and experience for this particular job. 
how much, like, I know you should be following the rules, but he was like, you know, how much should I be going along with what they say? And like, how much should I really be playing into their culture and that sort of thing versus the formal, like maybe old school ways of submitting a resume and cover letter? In that case, you really want to use a really unique cover letter that he would write himself, right? That's really um, speaks to what he wants to do and what his goals are and why he wants to be there. You know, something just really unique and talks more about him because typically in the resume cover letter process, it's not very personal. Um, and so, you know, just make a more unique cover letter. Still include the resume because they might need to look at it and it's beneficial to have their experience. And then maybe do something else unique. Like, does he want to upload a video, like create a video and, and send it in? You know, just do something different to show that you're willing to set yourself apart, but also that you have this really nice resume that they can also look at. So you kind of have the best of both worlds. So just taking some a little bit more of a unique approach and maybe including some of that um, in a video format or in the cover letter or something like that. Mm, okay. Okay. So do a bit of both. So, you know, pander to their like quote unquote unique culture and like play into that, but then also make sure you're sharing your experience. Cause it would be, it would be strange if he just didn't have a list of what he does yeah. or what he has done in his career. Right. That is kind yeah. of odd. And I think that they will, <laughs> they'll probably base their interviews on the unique stuff, but in the interview, they'll probably base their questions on the resume. So it's good to definitely good. I would say to have both. Okay. Switching gears a bit. Let's talk about career pivots and changes. So a lot of people that come to me for coaching, and I know for you for coaching and job seeking, uh, a lot of people get really tripped up when it comes to, hey, I'm making a really big career change. How on earth do I translate what I've done to what I want to do? Career changes are my favorite because I think they're super interesting. There's so many transferable skills that happen in every role. And I think that really anyone can make a career change and, and do really well. So I think I've done two really interesting ones. One was I had um, an, a mom who was whose kids had now grown up and she had spent all of her time in the banking industry because she needed to make money to pay for her kids. And, and they had all moved out of the house and she was looking to move into the nonprofit industry in something that um, where she could really make a difference. And over the past like 10 years, she had spent a lot of time volunteering, like being on boards, different things like that. And so what we did, instead of listing her banking experience first, we listed her volunteer experience first. And we really outlined what she did at each of those volunteer experiences, because a lot of them were like director level, you know, kind of responsibilities. And so we listed those at the top of the resume. And then um, we listed her work experience at the bottom of the resume. And then she ended up getting a director level position in a nonprofit organization pretty quickly after that because of just because of her volunteer experience. So a lot of people think that volunteer experience is not as relevant, but it absolutely is, especially if it's in an area that you're interested in getting into. It for sure is. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. That is really cool. What a good yeah. success story. Yeah. What if it's something that um, a person is more like a hobby or an interest? Yeah, I've had people. So I worked with this one lady who was interested in getting into design and her only real experience was, you know, designing her own house. And so we put that under under community development, you know, under other experience. And then um, as she was, you know, applying for jobs, she's it was it was an option that she was keeping open. It wasn't necessarily her main focus, but it was something that she would like to do. But it's definitely I mean, you can include those types of hobbies and interests in other experience or stuff like that to show those skills that you already have. Okay. So I'm getting the sense from you that the cover letter is a really 
important place and also a really great opportunity to kind of tell a bit of a story. Sidebar, I've also always been so impressed by the cover letters that I see you create for my clients, how succinct they are. So how would you tell that story when we're talking about career changes? How do you tell your story in a succinct and interesting way to make a career pivot and to explain why you want to be making that career pivot? Yeah, for sure. I mean, for the client that I was sharing who switched from banking to the nonprofit world, I'll read to you the little paragraph that we created. Um, It says, throughout my career in banking, I've taken every opportunity to participate in my true passion, community development and nonprofit work. I'm ready to take a risk and shift the trajectory of my career by accelerating the great work I have done behind the scenes to the forefront in the form of a new purpose in my journey. I will make immediate contributions to your team and have been recognized for being tenacious and a natural leader. So it's very simple. Yeah, it's very simple and just really addresses it head on that she's willing to make the change. She understands it's a risk, which means that she'll be willing to take a lower pay um, and that she just wants to follow her passion at this point in her career. Oh my gosh, that was so well written. I feel like it was really professional, but also personal. Like it was heartfelt. Mm -hmm. It felt like it was actually coming from a human being, not a robotic cover letter writer. Not, Mm -hmm. Not that being you, just I mean... It's not like she Googled it <laughs> and like found something to yeah. to paste in. Everybody needs to hire Steph Gillis. I'm just going to put it out there. She's the best. <laughs> okay. Can we switch to LinkedIn? This is a can of worms. I know. When LinkedIn came out, I remember updating my profile and being like, wow, this is really cool. This is fun. And like adding everybody and their mother to LinkedIn and being excited about like posting on it or whatever. And I feel like they've just gone through, we've gone through phases with LinkedIn and I don't know how I feel about it. And sometimes I like it and I enjoy it when I'm a job seeker. And then other times I'm like, oh, there's just so much clutter out there. I don't even know what I'm asking here, but like, talk to us about LinkedIn. Like what are the benefits of it? How can we use it, especially as a job seeker? Yeah, I love LinkedIn. It is my favorite thing. I don't have a website. I strictly use LinkedIn for my business. Um, It is, I feel like it's gone, it's definitely gone through phases, I would say like pre my personal experience is pre-pandemic, it was very spammy. I would get messages all the time of people trying to sell things and stuff like that. But since the pandemic, it's become more of a networking tool because people weren't meeting in person, right? So they were a lot more people gravitated towards LinkedIn to be able to use it um, for their business or for their job search and stuff like that. That's just my personal experience. I don't have any data on that, but... <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I definitely use it all the time. I recommend my clients use it as well. So when you're thinking about your uh, job search documents, your resume is supposed to be super formal. Your cover letter is kind of semi-formal and then your LinkedIn can be more casual. So for that client we were talking about earlier who said that, you know, like that company wants, um, you know, something a little more unique. The LinkedIn is also a great place to be able to share more of your personality and be more you. And so, um, but the important thing is to make sure that your profile is completely updated and updated to what you're, where you want to go instead of kind of where you are. So I see a lot of missed opportunities. People will put in their headline, you know, I'm currently a project manager at Google, like, but they're looking for a new job. And it's like, well, that's kind of like a missed opportunity there because in the headline, you could put, you know, what your skills are or that you're a project management and operations leader, something like that, and not, and not put yourself in a box being at Google. Right. So making sure that those kinds of things are really focused on where you want to go with your career. Also, the first thing, you know, when you go to your profile, the first thing people look at is your headline, your profile picture and your banner photo. Um, A lot of people don't know that there's an option to put a banner photo up there. Um, So uh, you can definitely see it on a computer. 
Um, if you open your profile on a computer, you'll see like these gray boxes if you don't have a banner photo. And so it's really important to make sure you have one because it just looks weird without it. It's like Facebook, right? You have to have a banner photo. <laughs> so, um, and then just making sure that your headline is really focused on your career goals and where you want to go. And then when you scroll down, there's an about section and that's a really good opportunity just to talk about yourself, who you are, what you, what you like, what you're trying to get to, what your goals are, any career highlights, stuff like that. Um, and then your experience section, um, you can, it's definitely good to include um, some experience, um, some details from your resume, because the more, more experience that you have um, on your, on your profile, the more often you'll appear in searches. So people who have a more um, filled out profile will appear more in searches than people who don't. And I know a lot of recruiters, um, especially through recruiting agencies who use LinkedIn almost exclusively to find people. And so I've helped people update their profile. And then within the next day, they have two or three recruiters reaching out to them. And so you just never know what's out there. And so even if you're not active on LinkedIn, just making sure that your profile is updated so that people can find you and reach out to you if they want to is just another opportunity um, for your job search. Yeah. Okay. So thinking of it, thinking of it like um, search engine optimization as well. So making mm -hmm. sure you've got keywords in there. And yeah. so the more you fill out each experience bucket, the like you're saying, the more opportunity there is for someone to type something in like project management and you mm -hmm. might pop up. Even if your headline, even if you're not actually a project manager, I guess if you have project management in some of your experience, like someone could find you and be like, actually, you might be a really good candidate for yeah. this job that we have. Absolutely. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay. What about the headshot? We see all different types of headshots. I see yes. lots of different headshots. I sometimes have to give, you know, advice to my clients like, hey, looks like it's time for a little, little update there. It's a bit blurry or it's a bit dark. Um, what are some other things that we should uh, look out for, for the headshot? So there was this huge debate about this, just like not that long ago on LinkedIn, whether you need to have a professional headshot or if it can be more casual. And people were opting for the more casual look uh, rather than like, you know, like in a suit with a white background kind of thing. And so I think the, I think the most important thing is that you're looking at the camera. It's not blurry and it looks like you. So I, I, I was tell I've been telling my clients that for a very long time. And I was laughing because my profile picture was me with like super short hair and I haven't had short hair in like eight years. So I was like telling everyone else they have to update their profile so it looks like them. And I was like, so I finally did pictures and I have updated them as well. So now I can say that with pride that you need to make sure the picture looks like you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think, the, I think the biggest thing is when you cut, I think the biggest thing for me is when you cut your face out of a picture with someone else, you can always tell. You can always tell, you know, it just looks awkward. You know, it's like not, it's like off center, whatever. So just take a picture of yourself. It can be a selfie. Just go outside, get some green grass behind you, take a picture, whatever. It doesn't need to be super. You don't have to hire somebody, but just make sure it looks like you. It's current and you look nice, right? Like it look, you don't, I have, there's a lot of people too, who like have this like serious look on their face. It's like, <laughs> like, don't, like, I think it should, I think it should show your personality. I mean, that's just my personal opinion, but I, I want my profile picture to like show a little bit of my personality so that when someone comes to my page, they're like, oh, that she looks friendly. Not like, yeah, I don't know, angry or whatever. Yeah. So just, yeah. I can't I mean, remember. <laughs> yeah. That's. I love that. Okay. Okay. It should look like you. It should be recent. 
You should be looking at the camera and you shouldn't be shoulder to shoulder with somebody else that you've cropped out. <laughs> yes. You, I mean, you'd think that that was obvious, but those are good tips. It's a good reminder. Sometimes we just do these things like last minute, haphazardly. I don't know if you have an opinion on reaching out on LinkedIn to people for jobs or for, you know, can I connect with you to learn more about your company or things like, what about the cold calling on LinkedIn? How do you feel about that? Um, I think there is a few things that I think about that. I get reached out to a lot. Um, I have a lot of followers, so I get reached out to a lot for people selling their services or whatever. And I don't, I don't like that. You know, I don't like, if you're going to reach out to someone and immediately ask for something, I think that's a really, that's a really missed opportunity. Um, I think the biggest thing is, I mean, networking is so important in your job search because um, I think there was a stat that I read that 8.3% of people will get a job when they apply online. That's really low. That's like super low. So I think that networking is super, super important to your job search. And so LinkedIn is the best way to network. I mean, you can connect with people in companies you're interested in. You can connect with people in jobs you're interested in. You can like reach out to the hiring manager who's posting positions and just let them know you applied. And so LinkedIn is great for that. But absolutely, I would I would connect with people and reach out to them. But the key is to build a, build a relationship first. I always say to my clients, like, you're not going to call an acquaintance when your car breaks down at two in the morning and be like, hey, kind of stranger, can you come pick me up? Like, you're not going to do that, right? You're going to call your best friend. And so it's the same thing when you're networking. You, When you're networking, you don't immediately reach out and be like, hey, do you want to give me a job? Or hey, do you want to buy my product? Like, I just... That's just like calling an acquaintance at two in the morning to come pick you up because your car broke down. Like that's just like, you're going to say no. Like that's just like, doesn't make any sense. But when they build a relationship, you know, you, you get to know the person, you share something, you provide value for them. You know, if there's anything that you can do to help them out, um, then you know, you're more apt to like have a conversation with them and get to know them. I can't like some, some people who've tried to sell me their products, you know, the best ones, the only ones I've really gotten on a call with were the ones who have offered me value immediately, right? Someone who can provide immediate value where I don't have to get on a call to see if it's just going to be a big sales pitch, right? Like I want to know if you can, are you really going to offer value right away? And so if they mm -hmm. can offer me value through my DMs, then I'm willing to, I'm willing to have a conversation with them. But if they're just going to cold call me and ask me to come pick them up at two in the morning, it's not going to happen. So I think that's the biggest I love thing. that analogy. Build relationships. That's what it's yes. all about make friends. That's what you're trying to do. Just make friends. I mean, like when you reached out to me, it couldn't, you know, who knows what could have happened, but look at us a year and a half, two years later. And here we are like, it's, it just built something really, really cool. And so I think that you can build some really cool relationships through LinkedIn, but that's what it needs to be about the relationship and not the end goal. Right. So from a job seekers perspective, like just so that you don't feel sleazy, like, I think I'm grappling with this a little bit because I'm like, when you're reaching out to that person that you went to university with 10, 20 years ago, and you're like, wow, they're doing exactly what I want to do. And they're in that job. They're in that that role. How do you begin to reconnect or build that relationship without it being like, well, clearly you have an ulterior motive. Just get to the point. Like could right. building the relationship be like, hey, you're in a really interesting career path, position, whatever. It's something that I'm interested in may we hop on a call for 15 or 20 minutes to a catch up and b i'd really love to hear about your your career path like is that too quick um no i wouldn't say so because you're not asking them for anything 
You're asking okay. them just to share their experience, right? You're not saying, hey, can you refer me to a job? Like your company oh. just posted a job. Can you refer me? Well, I haven't spoken to you in 10 years. What? Why would I refer you for a job? But when you're asking to hear about their experience, people love to talk about themselves. So if you want to, if you want to ask them to talk about themselves, a lot of people will be happy to do that. And if they're not, they'll, they'll ignore your message or they'll say no. So like, what's the worst that can happen, honestly, is that they won't respond. But the best case scenario is they'll say, yeah, absolutely, let's chat. And so, and then you can gain more experience. You can prepare some questions and, you know, you can even ask, do you know anyone that would, that would benefit for me to connect with? You know, like that's, that's still not really asking them, like, that's not asking them to pick them up at two in the morning. That's like, Hey, do you know anyone that you can like refer to me? Like, that would be super helpful. I mean, that's like when you're, if you're going with the car analogy, okay, we're just, I'm, I'm deep in this right now. I love the car analogy. (laughs) I think it's so good. Okay. So the, the picking up at 2am to confirm is the hire me. Like yeah, that is yeah. so much. Asking yeah. To, okay. Asking them to yeah. hire you or refer you yeah. for a job. That's a big ask. But Huge. like if you're if you're broken down on the side of the road and there's someone outside walking past, you'd be like, hey, do you have a phone I can use? Right? And they'd probably be like, Yeah, totally. That would be like, hey, do you know anyone who can who would be good for me to talk to you about this job? That's like the same thing, right? You're not asking them for anything. You're not asking, you know, for them to do anything other than tell you a name. Right? So like it's right. I don't know. You're not like, can I sleep over at your house? <laughs> exactly. Do you live down the street? Can I stay up? Do you have any soup? <laughs> oh, God. Okay. This is so – that is good. That is wise. That's going to be the soundbite, I think, Steph. That is really, really helpful. Okay. You just, it just made me think of the phrase, like, foot in the door. Like, you're kind of just – and not in a sleazy way, just like a, an introduction, a reconnection. You told me a story once. That had to do with a foot in the door. Can you tell that story? It is, it's too good not to share. Yeah, I heard it wasn't my clients. It was someone else's. Okay. But I heard okay. that they um they wanted to get their foot in the door, and so they mailed a shoe to the hiring manager with their resume inside the shoe, and then it just said on on it like I'm just trying to get my foot in the door. So it was. So I mean, like speaking of your client who needs to do something unique. I mean, there's something unique. Like that is <laughs> unique. That makes <laughs> stand out. Like then it definitely gonna gonna call them. Oh my god! But then if you're applying for like CIPC, would you recommend that? No, no, definitely not. I mean, like some of those traditional organizations, like the traditional ones, are like financial institutions, universities, um, the government. Those are traditional. Don't do anything weird. <laughs> just do what they <laughs> ask. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like Google, okay. Facebook, Meta, any of those, like they're, they're all about it. They all want to see the cool, they want to see someone entrepreneurial and different and unique and someone who's willing to step outside the box to improve the business. So. Yeah. Hey, you've seen a lot of, I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this. You've seen a lot of different job titles. You've, re- you've gotten to know different types of jobs based on writing people's resumes. What are some what are some really interesting jobs that you've been seeing a lot of recently or, I don't know, industries or companies? Like, I don't know. What are some cool things that people could be considering if they're like, ah, I want to make a change, but I don't know what to? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many jobs that I just honestly didn't even know existed before this. And so um, I I was helping someone just the other day who was a gender equality coach. And so she works for big companies and she helps them fix their gender equality problems. So that was really wow. cool. I thought that was interesting. Um, and then I, I wrote a resume for a guy who was uh, who was an artist for X-rated video games. So that was interesting too. 
didn't know that was a thing. So yeah, I mean, like when you think about the tech industry, especially, there's like people behind every single step of the technology. And some of them are tech gurus and other people are just regular Joes who don't know anything about technology, but have the skills and operations or project management. And so there's so many opportunities in every industry. Like, I think that's the biggest message that my kid is going to get growing up is like, there's so many choices out there. And when you make a choice, it doesn't have to be your final choice. You know, Mm -hmm. like you don't, you can make a choice and then you can change it. You're 35, change your mind. You can go try something new, go for it. You're 50, you want a new job, you want to make a career change, do it. Like there's so many choices. I've helped so many people make job changes at varying ages and it's and they're super successful at it. Anyways, I went off on a whole tangent there. No, I like that message a lot. It's we get in our own heads about it. We get in like we are our own worst enemy with that. We create the limiting beliefs, we create the barriers but we don't put ourselves out there to make, to give somebody else the decision. Like, why are you making the decision? Yeah. It's passed Mm. down generationally. Right. Because the baby boomers were like, get a job. My uncle stayed in his job for 45 years and just retired. You know, like that was the thing, right? You go to school, get a job, you stay there, you get the pension, you retire. That's what you did. But like the world's changing. I mean, small businesses like thriving, People are, I mean, people typically stay in jobs for three to five years now, and then they move on. So like, and that's just typical and people are growing their careers a lot more than they used to. Changing jobs, having different jobs. I know that you're somebody who has a cool story with having, you know, so many different jobs at the beginning, but say you're somebody who's, you know, stayed at a couple different companies for a couple of years or five years or 10 years and here and there. And maybe you have a recent track record of you know, one company, like you got laid off because of the pandemic. And then, so you're only there for a year. And then the second company, you've only been there for six months, but you're like, oh my gosh, this is not the company for me. But I feel like I need to, this is what I hear all the time, but I should stay for two years. I don't know where the two year thing came from. What are your thoughts on that? Like, what are some red flags and when should somebody be making a decision based on like what their resume will look like? Yeah. I mean, you should never base a decision on what your resume should look like ever. Ever. I don't think ever you should do that. I mean, you can make your resume look like whatever you want. So like Mm. you need to make decisions that are best for your life because it's your life. I mean, we only get one of them. So anyways, I'm really, I don't think anyone should make a decision on the resume, but there's, you can definitely, I mean, if it's one, six month and one, I think one year is absolutely fine. One year is great. I don't have a problem with one year. It's when it's under a year that it can sometimes be an issue. But if it's, if it's only like one section that's under a year, then that's fine. I would just leave it. Um, but if it's, you know, if it's multiples, like you can, you can get creative, you can combine experiences. So like I have people who like a few years ago, she was on a contract. And so she contracted to a bunch of different companies kind of doing the same thing. So we just combined them all that didn't need to be separated. So they were all the same, like the same positions, like the same job descriptions. Then so we just combined them all. And then it just looked like one experience. And then we just listed the different companies so that it showed that it was different companies. Um, And so like some people will consider that misleading, but I I don't consider that misleading because I think if it really came up in an interview, you just be honest about it. I mean, yeah, I worked for these three companies, but the position was exactly the same. So I didn't feel like it was necessary to list it three times and have the exact same bullet points under each one. Right. Right. So I think like your resume can, I'm all about like, I'm a rule breaker. So I don't think that, um, I think that you can just get creative with it however you want. And if you're, 
if you're struggling because you have different experience, then there's just, uh, that just means you need to get a little more creative with your resume. Hmm. What an opportunity. Like it, what I'm getting from this conversation so much, but is that use the, op- like use the resume and the cover letter to your advantage. Yeah. Like don't absolutely. be beholden to, don't feel it like it's this like handcuff or this chain. Be like, no, it's my way to tell my story. Totally. And like people always think like, you know, if I'm not in business, I don't need to learn about branding and marketing. But I think that's so false. Getting a job is exactly branding and marketing. I mean, your your resume is your branding document and you need to learn to sell yourself like you're the product in that situation and you need to learn to sell yourself. So it's not about like, what should my resume look like? It's like, how can I best sell myself through this document? Yeah, there it is. There's the mic drop. right there. Okay, Steph, I want to ask you personally, what are you, what would you say that you're still figuring out in your career, in life, in resumes and cover letters, all that? Yeah. Well, I mean, in the, in the job world, everything changes like every day, right? Some days people like resumes, some days people don't like resumes. So you just want to make sure I I am always keeping up to date on what the latest um, job trends are. And then I think like, just like personally, I mean, I've only been full time in my business for a year and a half. There's a lot of, it's a lot of learning curves. I mean, I talk about branding and marketing, but I think I talk about it because I'm, it's still something that I'm learning and learning to do better. And so I would say that, you know, growing my business is another big part of what I'm figuring out day, day to day, but it's fun. You know, it's got to make it fun and exciting. I love new things. So good for you. Congrats. That's huge. It's huge. It's a huge step to go from yeah, being in all these different types of jobs, raising a kid and mm-hmm. having your own business. So Absolutely. I'm excited for you. Thank How you. can people reach out to you? I feel like you're going to get some DMs on LinkedIn from people listening to this saying, oh my gosh, I need Steph Gillis to help me out. How can people connect with you? Yeah, for sure. LinkedIn is the best way to connect with me. I have my Calendly link there so people can book discovery calls. And I have like a sort of a website, not really a website, it's more like a landing page. Um, and so it's also linked through LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is definitely the place to go. And I will just do a little plug saying that if you work with me and we do a coaching program for career clarity and figuring out your next steps, then, uh, what's included is a resume rewrite with the wonderful Steph. She does that quote unquote ghostwriting of which I don't treat her like a ghost. Cause I'm always like, Steph is the best. She's going to write this for you. So, uh, yeah, it's been so much fun getting to know you collaborate with you. I have learned so much from you over the time that we've known each other. And now I feel so lucky to have just gotten this time with you to just pepper you with all the extra questions that I have and that I think our audience will get a lot of value from. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I so, so, so appreciate your wisdom and your expertise that you shared. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy. Thank you for listening. You can access all resources mentioned in this episode via my website, andreabar.com slash podcast. And let's chat on Instagram. I'm at Andrea Bar Coaching and I reply to every DM I get. If you love this episode, don't forget to quickly hit that button on your podcast app to give me a five-star rating and drop in a review. It would truly mean the world. And if you're like me and love to share things that you love, send this episode to a friend who you think would appreciate this topic. Thanks again for listening and I'll chat with you next week.